up on today's Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. Trent and Biz back together. A look back at Michigan one final time for this week. We talk about former Hawkeye Brett Bielema building a program in a different way at Illinois. And we'll make our picks this week presented by Bet Online. All coming up on today's Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. Our Locked On Hawkeyes, your daily podcast on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Trent Cotton along with Biz as we are the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast here. Getting ready for Illinois coming up this week and one final look back to the game against Michigan. Thanks for making Locked On Hawkeyes your first listen each and every day available wherever you get podcasts. You can also see us on the YouTube. That's right. We are there. Lockdown Hawkeyes is where you search. And while you're there, if you could hit that subscribe button. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online Net has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, Biz. Uh, one final look back for me this week, back to the Michigan game. And uh, the first podcast of the week, I, I broke things down completely, went through, talked about the officiating, uh, brought up the Spencer Lee excuses or for wusses. I was disappointed in Kirk Ferentz on the way home, listening to him both talk to Gary and Ed on the radio and then the postgame press conference where there was a lot of talk about officiating. Did I would get a bad whistle? They did. It's going to happen. But it wasn't the reason that they lost the game. And there's so much to get into here. But how are you, first of all? I just came in coming in hot right away. Yeah, Trent. So I'm doing fine. You know, Trent, last week I, I went with the optimism angle on this yeah. podcast. And I really tried to, you know, I, I really thought we had a good chance on, on Saturday. And, uh, you know, the sports gods uh, you know, punished me in many ways, Trent, because it was not a good sports weekend in general for me. You know, the Hawks, <laughs> Hawks get dominated. My, my Mets get swept by the Braves and uh, look like they're going to do what they always do, which is uh, – Find ways to disappoint, and then last night my Rams get stomped on Monday Night Football. So uh, the sports gods have put me back in my place, Trent. But I mean, to me, that game on Saturday was really simple. Um, we talked about last week. Or I brought it up. You know, Iowa football is built on you know not making mistakes and playing clean football. And when we do that, we can beat eighty percent of the teams out there. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, Michigan falls in that other twenty percent category. I mean, and if Michigan plays clean, mistake-free football, we're in trouble. And, that, and that's exactly what happened on Saturday. They just played – sometimes you just got to tip your cap to the opponent. They played really, really well. They made zero mistakes. Their offensive line was absolutely dominant. I, I just didn't see that coming. I didn't see our our front seven getting whipped like that. And so sometimes you just got to, like I said, tip tip your cap to the opponent. Michigan played great. And we uh, we're not, if Michigan plays great and plays clean football, we're not going to beat them. That's the blueprint of Iowa football, right? I mean, it's forcing teams into mistakes. And the last two times that we've seen Michigan, they haven't been willing to do that. Take what Iowa gives you. Be methodical. We know we're better up front. We're going to whoop you there. And, yeah, we'll take that six-yard gain. We'll take uh, three yards on third and one. We will take that every single time. We're not going to take chances on throws. We are going to just every single time methodically beat you. It's the old blueprint of Northwestern, right? I mean, when they first started beating, when Iowa got good you know, 20 years ago, that was the blueprint that they used. We are going to be methodical. We are going to do exactly what they say. 
you want us to do. And starting with Norton Parker, we don't feel that teams at the college level can methodically be perfect down the field to get a touchdown. Well, that's what they asked to do. Michigan's willing to do that. It, it's funny to say, I mean, it's 24 years later, but this is the blueprint. How has it taken this long for another team to kind of figure out the thing that Northwestern had figured out? Well, I mean, that's easier said than done. I mean, you got, you got yeah, to, have that's to true. do that. And to me, it all comes down to be able to run the ball. Um, we usually do a really good job of forcing teams to pass the ball. And the only team that's been good at methodically beating us in the pass game is, is Jeff Brown Purdue. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, methodically beating you passing the ball is harder than it is running. But, I mean, how many times did they have second and three or second and four on Saturday? They were just running for six, seven yards on first down, and it wasn't anything fancy. It was just between the tackles. We don't think your uh, your defensive tackles can slow us down, and, and they didn't. And right. you know, rarely do you say this, but they made you know they made Jack Campbell look very average. He, yeah. he uh, I mean, he got pushed around a little bit too. And I mean, again, that's just credit to Michigan. They're just they played really well. And you know, we we what, what we have three offensive possessions the first half, and, and I think their first five possessions were something like nine, eleven, nine, thirteen, and ten for plays. I mean. That's that's pretty impressive, and that's something that, you know, like you said, yeah, that's the blueprint to beat Iowa. But but following that blueprint and doing it, uh, you know, uh, one of the things I said last week, I, I thought JJ McCarthy would, would make some mistakes, and he definitely yeah. didn't. And they just they they did what they needed to do. And uh, yeah, like you said, the officiating was frustrating. There there's some frustrating parts to the game, but uh, you know, the fact of the matter is they were just a better team than us. Yeah, not not a whole lot there. So offensively, we saw some signs. And I, I talked about this a little bit earlier in the week when we always go and meet in, up in the corner at halftime, and talking to a bunch of the guys. And it was, hey, the offense looks better. We had 90 yards of offense at the half, and we're, we're sitting there patting each other on the back about 90 yards of total offense, but it did look better. Now, it's not a high bar. We were the worst offense in the country. But of that growth, I thought LaShawn said something interesting yesterday. Iowa, speaking of having to be perfect and methodical, Iowa just can't afford to miss the throws at Spencer Petrus. Petrus was better, but Iowa still is not at a spot where even a throw, a couple throws a game, were just not good enough to be able to overcome that. The seam route, a, a high throw on third down, those kind of plays were still just not at a spot. It's not that Spencer Petrus is the only problem, but Iowa's in a spot the way that they're built. You just can't afford to miss those plays. Yeah, but you know, honestly, outside that one possession where he had the two really bad throws in a row, he missed Lachey down the seam, and then he missed a, a free seventy or pass to Brecht on the next pass. Outside that possession, I, I thought that was a really, really good game by Spencer Petrus, and, and you know, he, he gave us some opportunities. And you know, I don't, know, I know people are frustrated with the fourth and two play where we we, we threw one yard, but. To me, that's that's more play calling than it is Spencer Petrus. I mean, we we had second and four at the eight yard line. We were starting to push him around a little bit, and in not once in three plays do we even take a shot into the end zone. We we, we run two basically zero yard flat passes and then a, a run in between the two. And so, you know, I don't know, I, I just. It's every week. I think we're we're required, contractually required, to complain a little bit about Spencer Peters. But I don't. I have no problem with Spencer Peters on Saturday. I, I thought he 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 put us in a position to, to have an opportunity. He was twenty one for thirty one, which I mean for him, that's I mean sixty seven percent passing for, for Iowa football is is 
you know, as good as you're going to get. So yeah. I, I think he's taken some steps the last three weeks. Though there's, you know, I, I'm still frustrated with the play calling at times. The offensive line's still a mess at times. There's still a lack of playmakers. I mean, there, there's things across the board. But Spencer Peaches right now is, to me, he's pretty low on the list of problems right now offensively. Yeah, there's plenty of uh, blame certainly to go around it, and, and I got you on that one. So you heard it here. Biz is ready for him to take his COVID year and be the starting quarterback in 2023, right? <laughs> yeah, why not, Trent? Well, hell, if he doesn't, who who is going to be the quarterback next year? It's a, it's a good question. I mean, I mean, clearly the coaching staff has pretended that that they have trust in Alex Padilla, but they obviously don't. I mean, they have zero zero trust in Alex Padilla, so. It'll be interesting to see. I mean, that's a conversation for somewhere down the road. But mm-hmm. who is going to quarterback next year? I mean, you, you give the reins to one of the young guys and, and hope it works out, or do you do a gap year and let Padilla be the quarterback for one year? I mean, Man, it would have been uh, nice for Max Duggan maybe to decide to come home um, after he lost the job down at TCU. Coaching change would have been very easy for him to jump in the portal and Council Bluffs kid come back to the state of Iowa. Alas, he's got uh, TCU ranked in the top 15 and, and moving things with Sonny Dykes and company down there. Yeah, I wonder if I gave you even money, both sides, is the next year's starting Iowa quarterback on the roster currently? Yes. They're on the roster. No, they are not. Where would the Bisgard bet come from? That's a good question, Trent. You know, I'd like to say that it's not on the roster, but I've I've been an Iowa football fan for too long to know that the the safe money is on uh, doing the safe thing, which is let yes. let uh, let Padilla do it for a year and then and then go from there. So so put my money on uh, Iowa doing the safe thing. Yes, I, I'm right there with you. It's unfortunate, but that's the reality of where we are. All right, Biz, anything else on Michigan? No, I mean, you know, the thing in general, Trent, I mean, it was just it was kind of a demoralizing game. It's one of those things where I think it kind of, for me, kind of solidified that we're, we're just not, we're just not where we need to be right now as a team. There's, you know, the, the, to me, it just showed the gap between Michigan and Iowa was, was pretty significant. And it's, you know, we're... Uh, to hear people afterwards talk about, you know, hey, we're, we're you know, it wasn't that bad. We didn't get uh, we didn't get beat forty two to three this year. That that's pretty you know, to me. That's just kind of demoralizing. It's, uh, you know, I, I think we're we're beyond moral victories as as a program right now. And and it just, I don't know. We're this week's going to tell a lot. Going, we'll we'll transition to the Illinois analysis here. But it's this is a to me a really big turning point for this program. If, if we go and get whooped by Illinois and then you got a bye week and then you got Ohio State, you know, things can get really bad. And, you know, and maybe you're you know, with that bye week, maybe you're talking about making some changes. We, we won't, but, you know, <laughs> you know that, that, the, the, the heat and the pressure to make some changes during that bye week is going to be pretty high if if we go and lose in Champagne, which, which certainly you know, could, could happen. A real possibility. We'll talk about the Illini as we continue here. This is the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. Our partners at Nissan have worked with us to create a new segment here across the Lockdown College Network titled Thrilling Moments, where we highlight the most exciting plays from the Hawkeyes game or throughout the history of our alma mater. This thrilling moment for the Hawkeyes is, Biz, I'm going to say, and you told me before the game as we were searching, that was 15, 20 seconds where we just had hope. Where we had hope, I was driving, gets it inside the 10-yard line. Now, it took a long time to get there because that drive, I, I had a markdown. They were something at the 18-yard line with like 9.06 left on the clock, and they just kept huddling up and eating clock. Down two scores, kept doing it. But 
we had hope and what is it hope is a dangerous thing is that a good way to put it biz yeah so well I, your your read for nissan show it said it said throughout the history so i'll just oh my business beat today was going to be a positive moment against michigan so i'll just throw it in now since we can say it was the nissan thrilling moment because uh I saw this morning, 19 years ago today, Trent, was the Ramon Ochoa game versus Michigan. Oh, wow. Still still the loudest I can ever remember uh, Kinnick for an entire for an entire game. That, that place was was absolutely rocking that day. And we 30-27 to 27 win against Michigan, and Ramon Ochoa did a little of everything. Kick returns, punt returns, catch the game-winning touchdown. So uh, there's my Nissan thrilling moment. We'll just, we'll just put business beat in the middle instead of the end. I like that. I love that. Because there, like, no, there were because no, let's be honest, there were no thrilling moments on Saturday. So. It wasn't thrilling. No, that even even with the hope out there, there was some frustration that was also kind of twisted around with it. I love that. Going back to Ramona Choa 19 years ago and the win against Michigan. Not only did he catch a touchdown pass, dropped a touchdown pass, but uh, we'll leave that aside. Thank goodness good, replay good old was not. <laughs> this segment is inspired, has been inspired by the thrilling new designs featured across Nissan's new lineup of vehicles. Pursue what thrills you with the all-new Frontier, Armada, or Pathfinder today. Available now at NissanUSA.com. Continuing here, Biz, and let's uh, get into the matchup this week against former Iowa Hawkeye, big fat polar bear. He is lovely called Bert Brett Bielema. Biz, there were many people for many years that hoped that he would be the guy that would take over for Kirk Ferentz. When he was fired from Arkansas, there was still some hope, even if there was a little bit of a, a tinge of disappointment the way his career came to a close. And ultimately, he takes the Illinois job. How, well, for our whole lifetime, how, Biz, how many times have you heard, you know, Illinois is a sleeping giant? We heard that for years and years and years and never got the right guy. Did they get the re- right guy here? Sure looks like it. He's got him going in the right direction. And, you know, any time you can hold I – mean, I know Wisconsin's a mess right now, but if you hold Wisconsin to two rushing yards, you're doing something right. I mean, that, that's – that to me is way more impressive than what they're doing on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, you know, even in our best – I mean, our, if we can hold – if you hold Wisconsin under 100 rushing yards, you're doing something right. So holding to two is, is absolutely amazing. So, yeah, he, he certainly uh, – Seems like he's got the, the ball rolling in the right direction. But, you know, you could have said the same thing. I remember when he was at Arkansas, about year two or three, you said the same thing there, too. They, they, they seemed like he had him rolling, and then things kind of fell off the cliff for him. So, sure. you know, that, that's what I said before. I, I think this really is an important game. I, I think it's a game – I know we're underdogs, but I think it's a game we should still win. We should still be able to go to Illinois and, and handle them. And, and will we? I don't know. But, you know, I, I just – they're not Michigan. They don't have that absolutely dominant offensive line. Their, you know, their quarterback is capable, but certainly not, you know, a game changer like McCarthy is. And so we need to go there and, uh, you know, do what we always do, which is uh, beat Illinois. But, uh, you know, it's definitely not a foregone conclusion this year. Uh, Tommy DeVito. He's giving them, you, you talked about hope. He's definitely giving them hope. Well, and it's a really good spot also for Iowa. I mean, we talk about these games a lot, and it's, I think, a pretty good narrative, both on the betting side of things and just looking at things in general in college football. 
And we're still talking about young guys. We're still talking about guys that I think emotionally have even more ebbs and flows. Hell, you see this in the NFL all the time. It, it, it happens a lot. A team coming off a win like that against Wisconsin, coming back home. I saw there was 20,000 tickets available, I think, of as Tuesday night. Things not going to be banged out by any means. It, it takes a while to, to generate some excitement. Well, they've they've watched disappointing football for the better part of five decades. You're not going to be able to sell things out right away after a good start to the season. It's going to take a little bit longer than that. So, you know, DeVito, he, he's he's played well, but you're right. I've watched this guy going back to his days at Syracuse. He's prone to mistakes. I was due. And and I am, as you know, not the most optimistic guy out there. I'm optimistic this week that that I was going to is going to play well, that they are going to bounce back. That that growth that we're seeing though not as significant as maybe some people want it to be, it is real growth, and we're getting there. And the defense is going to make a couple of plays and come up with a couple of turnovers, and Phil Parker is going to call them out a little bit this week and have them really ramped up. I think I was going to be ready. Is it going to be good enough? We'll see. But at the very least, I think they're going to be ready, and the people saying, oh, we're going to get blown out just like Wisconsin. I, I think that's crazy talk. Well, one of the things Kirk talked about in his postgame, it was kind of with Michigan, it was kind of a pick-your-poison type thing where – you know, we, they spread us out. They had a lot of three and four run wide receiver sets and then ran the ball out of it. And, and we just, they beat us with numbers. We only had five or six in the box because we had to respect their their talent on the outside and respect J.J. McCarthy as a passer. You know, I just don't think we'll do that against Illinois. I think we'll we'll keep seven in the box all the time and we'll we'll force Tommy DeVito to beat us. And, and like you said, I think he'll make a mistake or two. And Again, it comes down to if, if, if Illinois does what Michigan did, if they play clean, mistake-free football, then we're probably in trouble again. But I, don't, I, I just I don't see them playing that clean, mistake-free football for, for 60 minutes. So. so we're on the same page for once this week, at least as it pertains to that, which is a certainly a little bit interesting. Did you put Stat Boy to work? I, I know you got your moving, you got vacation going on. You got a lot going on. Yeah. Taking Bodie on a college visit, so. You put Stat Boy to work, did you forget this week? No. So we got Stat Boy. I sent him off in a different direction a little, Trent. I'm tired of analyzing how bad our offense is or coming <laughs> up with stats that are depressing. Uh-huh. So I got him into the, the history of Burt. Uh, let, let's break down Brett Bielema a little bit, Trent, because, uh, you know, he's kind of become a cartoon character over the last 20 years. You know, he's, he's, he's certainly not um, – he's not getting thinner, let's put it that way. And, uh, you know, he's he's – Everybody knows the basic stories. They, they know the, you know, the Jim Walden has uh, been fun kicking your ass for five years. They know he's got an Iowa tattoo on his leg and those types of things. So, but what you forget about is just how important he was to the Iowa program. And you know, it's kind of, it's, it's an amazing backstory. So let's kind of, let's start from the start, Trent. He's got kind of 10 things that, to break down on, uh, on Brett Bielema. Number one, we'll, we'll give you a quiz question. And if you can get it, I'll be really impressed. Do you know what town in Illinois Brett Bielema is from? Palestine. It's called Pal- Palestine. Isn't Palestine like over in this? Like it's, Something like that. It's Palatine. But, uh, oh, it's my, my wife is from Palatine. But, uh, oh, okay. Palatine, Palatine they're, they're similar. Do, do I get partial credit? You got the yeah, I'll give you partial credit. You got the first letter right. Prophets, right. Prophets Town, Illinois. Eh, that's pretty good. Um, yeah, a, a population of a little over 2,000, 2,080. So uh, he came from a town smaller than you and I did. It, you know, it, Osage is a metropolis compared to Prophetstown, <laughs> Illinois. Um, n- number two, this is my, my one of my favorites from, from Wikipedia. You know, 
his nickname is Bert, but uh, he actually has brothers named Bart and Barry Bielema. So uh, <laughs> those Brett, Brett, Bart, and Barry Bielema are the Bielema boys. So no Bort. Uh, so yeah, you get you get some. Uh, so he's got probably the uh, the most normal of the three names. But so number three, Chet, this is where you get into his career. It, it really is amazing. As a senior in high school, he weighed 185 pounds. So wrestle wrestle 185 and made all district as a wrestler. So, but yeah. So shockingly, as a 185 pound uh, defensive lineman, he, he had zero scholarship offers, not a one. So he walks on to Iowa as a freshman walk on. He bulked up to 198 pounds. So he came into Iowa weighing under 200 pounds, which, uh, as you'll see in a little bit, I mean, I'm not sure anybody else ever you can tell the story of a guy that goes from under 200 pounds to a starting nose guard in, uh, you know, Iowa football. So started at 198 as a freshman training, actually played a little bit as a freshman. Mm. He was so obscure. He, the Michigan game, we lose 26 to 12 the Michigan game his freshman year, but he was so obscure. He didn't even have a number assigned to him the week of the Michigan game. He got in against Michigan in the second half, made three tackles. He was number 86 at the time. And nobody, nobody knew who he was because he wasn't in the uh, – you know, his number hadn't even been assigned the week before. So I'm sure uh, if that happened now, Dolph would do a really good job of identifying him. So. Yeah. yeah, I can only imagine how, how – how, oh, my. And, of course, he wouldn't get the name right. I, it would be an absolute disaster. I mean, that, that in its own right, I mean, just – the story of him getting to Iowa City, the time period, the size, yeah, defense alignment and offense alignment are a lot bigger today than they were even at that point in time. But but to think that this self-made guy just got there and it made an impact right away, it'd be, I don't know, like seeing Louis Steck out there. Oh, yeah, we do see Louis Steck out there a little bit. But you know, those kind of guys that just go out there, it, it's, yeah, quite the crazy story. All right, continue on, Biz. I mean, you'll never, I mean, with today's world and the way that kids, you know, work out and, and everything, you know, high school has become so much more organized with workouts. I think will you ever see a 198 pound kid walk on and become a starting defensive tackle ever again? Yeah. I mean, that's unheard of. I mean, and, and he, there's multiple articles that stat boy sent me about, you know, just talked about the greatness of the weight room at Iowa. I mean, if, if, we'll break it down. Trent. He went from 198 as a freshman, 225 as a sophomore, um, 235, as a junior, and then up to 265 as a senior. So he got, he got up there, and he was a starting nose guard his senior year. But it wasn't all uh, it wasn't all smooth for Bielema. As a uh, freshman, he also late in the year, li- living in Slater Hall, Trent, he got arrested for a harassment charge. Oh no! Paid uh, eighty six dollars and paid the harassment charge. I I put Stat Boy on the uh, assignment of trying to figure out what the heck he did to get charged with harassment. Couldn't find it. So uh, who hmm. who knows? But. Uh, it, it Maybe he hate, made a call over to Captain McCarney in the uh, the police department. I don't know, but yeah, uh, you know, it, just a casual harassment charge. I, you know, when Statboy sent it to me, I, I assumed it was going to be public intox or a, yeah, a Paula charge or something in there. But no, a random harassment charge. So, <laughs> but by senior year, he's starting nose guard and, and co captain of the team, and, and obviously senior year is when he uh, pulls out the famous uh, "been fun kicking your ass for five years," which as an Iowa fan puts him, puts him as high as you can possibly get in the respective Iowa fans. So, but then, and this is where he really makes his mark. Honestly, I mean, he was a, a capable football player, Yeah. but afterwards he, uh, 
you know, he, he coached first for Hayden and then stayed on for, for Ference and was linebacker coach. Remember what area he was in charge of recruiting? Oh, yeah, absolutely, because it was something that I remember us talking about at 520 South Capitol all the time. It was Florida. We got to get Florida guys up here. So Benny Sapp, Fred Barr, George Lewis, that group of guys that came in, of course, Brad Banks, ultimately, that was his designation. And it gave us, in a time at Hayden's last year and into the first year, Kirk, there wasn't a whole lot of hope. I remember having hope about that, that maybe, yeah, they're not beating the Gators or the Seminoles for any of these guys, but maybe this is a, a different course, something that Iowa hadn't done before to bring in some different type of players and, and help get the program rebuilt. Yeah, I mean, you listed a couple of them, but I mean, Trent, it's even deeper than that. It's Brad Banks, C.J. Jones, Mo Brown, Colin Cole, Antoine Allen, Freddie Barr, Abdul Hodge. I mean, you could you can make an argument that he was probably one of the two or three most important pieces of the turnaround in Iowa football. I mean, obviously, Kirk Ferentz deserves a huge amount of credit. You've got Phil Parker, huge amount of credit. You know, but but damn that having that young recruiter who went out and found some uh, some gems in the state of Florida. I mean, really was was part of the turnaround. I mean, and those it, guys, all those guys, that 2002, 2003, 2004 years. I mean, he had his. But by that time, he was gone. He, he moved on to Kansas State, but uh, you know his his. His handprints were all over uh, those years at Iowa. I remember the story of 2001. I was playing Michigan, loses a tight game. Marquise Walker made maybe one of the greatest, most uh, athletic catches in Kinnick Stadium history on one hand uh, down in the end zone, on the other end from us in the student section. And the story went, Benny Sapp was guarding him at that time. And he was ready to leave. In fact, he was sitting at a bus stop, ready to leave Iowa City. He was going back to Florida. Bielema found him. And got him back and got him back on the team. And, of course, Betty Sapp ultimately went on to play in the NFL and he's got a son now playing in college. So, you know, just how different things can be. And he was also known as that kind of coach, a guy that, yeah, he's a hard ass, but he's also a player's coach. He's a guy that everybody has really liked. And and I, at that time, as they were building that staff, that was another important one. They, they needed a guy like that that could not just be a guy that a holler at practice, but a guy that could also, when a guy's having questions, you know, talk to them and keep them on campus and, Ultimately, that's also a very important thing. Yeah, I mean, he's, I mean, what he's done, you, you kind of forget just how important he was to that program. I mean, his story is pretty amazing to go from 185 pound uh, you know, senior in high school to, to a starting nose guard and then go on to being one of the most important recruiters than, that I was had in the last couple of decades. I mean, his, his relevance to the Iowa program is, is pretty significant. And so hope, hopefully, uh, that he won't uh, have any relevance on Saturday. Let's hope we can we can find a way to uh, put him back in his place. Yes, absolutely. And with all that being said, we hope Burt gets clobbered on Saturday. Anything else on Burt before we get ready to make some picks? No, let, let's transition to some bad picks. <laughs> we certainly have that. Our picks this week and ever brought to you by Bet Online, number one source for football betting information this season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can find. As always, Bet Online remains your continued source for every sport out there. Live betting and up to minute scores for every sport you can imagine. Final couple days of Major League Baseball. Right around the corner, we got the playoffs, MMA, boxing, you name it, they have it. Head to betonline.net or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, Biz, 
let's get started here this week. And uh, I'll be honest, at this point, I haven't got real deep into my handicapping, but the way college football betting has gone for me, I am absolutely crushing it right now in the NFL, which is, of course, the kiss of death. I'm going to go the other way because it's the NFL, and that's nearly impossible to do well at that. But college football, I don't know. I'm just not seeing it this year. How are you doing betting, you and uh, your degenerate trio that you have? Oh, right. Pretty mediocre, to be honest. Kind of right yeah. in the middle. We're not, uh, you know, we're, we're not, you know, what, what was the saying from Seinfeld? Uh, not showing off, not falling behind. Yeah. Right, right in the meaty, right in the meaty part of the curve. But uh, yeah, unfortunately, last week I, I did my, I doubled up on Iowa as my, uh, my bet. So uh, Ooh, yeah, that didn't help me yet last week for, for, for our purposes. But, but uh, again, my, my optimism was, was clearly, Clearly misguided last week. Yeah, you talked me into it. I only got one win last week. I had Clemson. Uh, you were on the NC State side of things. So it was not a pretty week. It has not been a pretty season for us. But uh, we'll try it again and hope for a 3-0. And then we can beat our chest when we finally do it at some point in the season. The national game this week, Utah-UCLA. Watch a lot of UCLA on Friday night. Impressive. Dorian Thompson-Robinson uh, certainly outstanding. That defense, though, woof, they got some problems. And you know, it's interesting. You look at... The college football rankings right now and the AP, yeah, they don't matter, obviously, in the course of the college football playoff. But they can at least give you a little bit of a look ahead. And what is the top team with the loss already? It is the Utah Utes. Lose early as opposed to lose late. That's the path and still a path for the Pac-12. What do you see here with Utah and UCLA? I'm way too confident about this game, Trent. I, I love Utah. I mean, they're they're a team that every time I watch them, they, they kind of make me jealous a little bit. They're they're yeah. a team that I wish Iowa would would pattern. They you know, they don't have a ton of skill talent, but man, they are a physical team and they are a creative team. They find ways to get the ball on the edge, they find a way to get tight ends involved, they run the ball great. You know, they're kind of in some ways what Stanford used to be in the Pac 12. They're that physical uh you know, we we want to be the bullies of the Big Ten. There's no doubt right now. Utah is the bullies of the Pac-12. So, uh, which isn't saying much, but uh, you know, you don't have to be much to be a bully in the Pac-12. But give me Utah minus four, and uh, like I said, I feel way too confident about that pick. I'm with you. I just think the defensive issues for UCLA are going to come up here. I think you said it all. So we agree, and this is getting dangerous because uh, we talked about the Iowa Illinois game a little bit earlier. Let's get into that one now. I believe listening to you listening to me i think we both like the hawkeyes this week Ugh. yeah i think three and a half is just too much i think it's going to be a close game i think it's gonna be a low scoring game it's going to be an ugly game but like i said i i really do think illinois will make enough mistakes that we'll pull out the win but uh okay it's it's pretty simple if they don't make those mistakes we're probably in trouble right now and uh but I think it'll be a low scoring game so in a low scoring ugly game give me the team that that's uh getting the getting more than a field goal. So give me the Hawks plus three and a half. All right. To stay away from the kiss of death as we both pick the same team. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go to your trick. Give me the under. It's 35 and a half. That thing's probably going to plummet either even more. Of course, we talked so much about it leading into the Rutgers game, but that one, it took 14 points out of the defense to barely inch over the over. Give me the under 35 and a half. One that has continued to drop as the week has gone on. Wrapping things up are picks presented by Bet Online. Biz, let's talk a little bit about your best bet of the week. I wanted to bet them last week, Trent, and I chickened out. I wanted, I thought I liked Nebraska last week, and, and so I'm taking Nebraska this week. Nebraska minus three. 
two things. One, I think Nebraska has plenty of talent and is going to be decent the rest of the year. But this is more a bet against Rutgers. I just think Rutgers is absolutely terrible. And so I don't think Rutgers wins a Big Ten game this year. So give me Nebraska minus three uh, on a Friday night special. Friday night special. It's again to start off in a good one. All right. Yeah. So you're going to lay it with Nebraska. What was that number? Minus three. Minus three is all? Really? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I think we're going to have a family play on that one. I will be jumping aboard with you. In fact, uh, right after we wrap up with the podcast, I'm going to go to my favorite app and fire away at that one. All right. It was supposed to be the game that game day was at this week. It was supposed to be Jimbo against Saban, all the pomp and circumstance of this summer and the back and forth. And then, of course, Texas A&M doesn't show up. The number and the injury to Johnson's a little bit nerve wracking, but Bryce Young being out, Alabama, though they ended up coming in and, and covering the game against Arkansas. That was a 28-23 game before they pulled away. Their new quarterback, he can't throw. He is a zone-read quarterback, and that is all he can do. I'm getting 24 with Texas A&M. I understand. Yes, uh, Alabama's going to be fired up. Alabama in these kind of spots under Saban actually hasn't been that good. So I'm going to grab the 24 points. Give me Texas A&M on the road at Alabama. Trusting in Jimbo Fisher, that's never a good thing. But I guess well, I'm, I, trusting, I'm trusting in Nebraska, so I can't. I have no, nowhere to say. You know, I, well, I, and we trust in Kirk Ferentz every single week, and here we are, a turd to run at offense, and his son at, at his side. Alas, that is uh, our show for today. You gave business beat out already. Uh, Ramon Ochoa, we had a bode to Burt Bielema. Trafe, safe travels out there to Boise. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, you know, Trent, it, it's kind of sad. It's a, you know, I'm going to Boise. The wedding is actually literally the exact same time as, as the start of the Iowa game. So I'll be Ooh. missing these parts of the game. And there'd be certain games, certain years where I'd be truly heartbroken by that. And honestly, I'm not even that bummed. That, that kind of tells you where where Iowa football is at right now. Is uh, if I if, if the Bisgard family is is willing to go to a wedding instead of catch part of the game. Uh, you know things are not going great for the Hawks right now. So, uh, it, you know, it, no home games for four weeks. And I'll be honest, it's not, that's not a bad thing right now. You need a little, uh, little, little breather away from this offense, maybe a little bit. So, just uh, a year ago this time, Iowa was ranked in the top five in the country. Here we are a year later, and Biz. Is not so sad about missing a little bit of an Iowa football game, how things have turned. Well, safe travels out there. Best yeah. wishes to your niece. Let's be honest, but, but an hour before kickoff, I'll be figuring out a way to sneak like my, my well, phone into the wedding anyway. Well, we know that. Yeah, it, It's easy for me to say that now, but c- come Saturday, I'll be – come Saturday, I'll be ready to roll again. I'm, I'm a couple glutton. of IPAs in your belly, and all of a sudden, that'll seem like a great idea. We're both a glutton for punishment, Trent. That we are. And we'll punish you next week with more Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast. I'll be back with you later in the week. More look ahead to Illinois. Also came up with some numbers. We'll crunch some things. And also a mailbag coming on Thursday. Send your questions to me on Twitter at Trent Condon is where you can find me. Hit me up with your questions as we'll do a mailbag episode coming up on Thursday. Until then, Biz, we'll talk again next week. All right, go Hawks.